I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. Do you feel like you're being the best parent you can be? No? Me neither. I don't feel many of us would answer that question with a yes, because it feels nigh on impossible. My guest today disagrees, insisting that by understanding how children operate, there are small changes that every parent can adopt that make all the difference. Dr. Kalanit Ben-Ari is a psychologist who's worked in the family and couple sphere for over 15 years. She writes, parenting is like a muscle, one we need to use to stretch, to exercise and to challenge. If we're persistent and flex the parenting muscle, we will enjoy the result of this flexible and healthy way of living. Kalanit, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you for inviting me. Uh, I love this sentiment because it suggests that by challenging us, our children are actually teaching us how to be better parents. Is this correct interpretation? Yes, they're actually quite a good mirror for where we need to grow. It, it's some level of reflection of ourselves. Perfect. So I really wanted to talk about, you know, how I think what all of us want is happy children and the idea that their childhood is joyful. What makes childhood joyful? What are the things that matter that really make a difference? Because I, I have a suspicion that we're sometimes distracted. We are distracted if our focus is to have a raising a happy children. Sometimes it's a trap because it moves us away from having happy children. Um, so sometimes we are a little bit too quick to react or to fix uh, situations or feelings before we are with the children. Because we have the stories in our head. If they won't have good memories, if they won't have a perfect childhood, it will traumatize the child. We have stories about what's going to happen for them. And there's a lot of pressure, I suppose, for parents, you know, today to kind of get it right, to be the perfect parent. I mean, I don't think anyone was sort of thinking about being a perfect parent 100 years ago. They were just like trying to get their children to survive childhood. Yes, and children raised themselves, basically. It was not the focus of the family. And right now, I think that um, it's not only the focus of the family, sometimes the children holding the the wheels as we speak and, and leading the family. Mm-hmm. And this can create some some consequences. Yeah, so that what they're sort of too powerful. I think they are too powerful in a way that sometimes I think the modern parents find it challenging to be in connection with the child in a healthy and loving relationship but still bring some healthy boundaries. There is some anxiety around that or lack of skills around that. 
from the best intentions. We want our children to be happy and we want uh, to protect them from negative feelings or negative experiences. But by doing that, we are not actually contributing for their own development of resilience and confidence or trust in their instincts, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I think as parents, that idea of home being a safe environment, a forgiving environment when outside life can be quite challenging is really important. But you do agree that, you know, that like making that home atmosphere joyful is important, don't you? Yes, joyful with a connection, with a positive energy, definitely. But it's not in contrast with uh, some healthy boundaries. Okay. And so your argument is that by having these boundaries, it makes children feel a bit more secure in their upbringing. But it doesn't, you know, telling off a child doesn't negate that sort of joyful experience, or at least putting those boundaries in place doesn't take away from that sort of overall joyful atmosphere in a home. Yes, and it's not about telling off, and I definitely not in favor of punishment. It's not my language. It's not something that I will that I think that it's uh, helpful. But it's about um, being in a relationship, about natural consequences, about something happened, what we can learn from it, or what my child learns from it about himself, about uh, relationships, about how to manage feelings, um, about his sense of resilience, about his sense of belonging and loving the family. You know, it's it. I don't expect a perfect childhood, mm-hmm. but I think it's important to have yes, a positive connections moving towards relationship, positive connection, positive atmosphere at home, but also holding atmosphere by the parents, not necessarily controlling, but holding. And how do we achieve this? <laughs> million dollar question. Yeah, so I I definitely move away from punishment. It's not things that I uh, recommend. I think about being in a relationship and being mindful about relationship and and, um, really giving an example many times as a role model for the children. Uh, It's a start. But I think we can start by reflecting about ourselves. What is the baggage that we bring to our parenthood? What are the experiences that we bring from our childhood that we said we will never be like that or we will never say that and then we say exactly the same or exactly the opposite but in both extremes it's you know the health is always in between Mm. so if one was raised with very restricted and rigid parents they might become the same way or they will go exactly to the other side Uh, but the health is always as i said uh, in between Mm-hmm. I know. I remember my grandmother, who was very inf- in- influential in bringing us up. She was the youngest child, and she always felt that as the youngest child, she was slightly overlooked. And I'm the oldest, but I always felt that she favoured my youngest sister because she yes. was the youngest. And I suppose that is an example of sort of that in worth. So just thinking as a parent, how your experience as a child might be influencing the, your, the way that you're behaving as a parent, which sometimes isn't always positive. It's yes, and it's exactly about being mindful about thinking what I in and positioning the family plays a lot in that. Mm-hmm. The positions, if there were favorites in the family, what are the relationship in the family between family members? It's going to play some role in the in your parenting style. So just being mindful about that, it's a good start. And then you think about what energy you would like to keep moving to your children from your own family, because there are many positive things as well, and what you want to move away from. 
And when do you think you should do this? Should you do this like as you're expecting your first child or is this something that you need to be doing on a regular basis? I think it's on a regular basis because uh, when you have a child, you you give birth to the child within you as well. And each developmental stage will trigger different things. I see. Yeah. Um, and if the few first year were a really received with support and love and reliable care. But then when you were four, you had a little sister or brother and then things changed. You might feel that change when you have your second child. I see what you So it will challenge you in different ways and in different ages. Mm. I mean, one of the things you talked about was sort of building resilience and actually teaching children. I, I, it's, you know, as I packed my children off to school this morning, I had this not a fight with them, but I'd, you know, pack their snack boxes, but they hadn't put them in their rucksacks. And I just said, I'm never going to do it because you need to learn how to do it. And the only way you're going to learn, I'm not going to be there when you're 25, putting your, you know, snack boxes in your bags. You need, and if you forget them, then you forget them. But there's nothing as quick as being a bit hungry mm-hmm. uh, and annoyed at school <laughs> that you haven't got your snack boxes. They're teaching you that you do need to be organized about that. Is that what you're talking about in terms of sort of making them, letting them make mistakes and learn from those mistakes? Yes, I also mean, I think that we are as parents uh, talking too much. We need to talk less and just let them experience the natural consequences of things. It's not being against them. So if we see that something is repeated, happen again and again and again, we can have a conversation with them. Let's think what we need to do in the morning, maybe put it on a a big piece of paper near the door. And then when it's time to leave the house, to tell them, go and check if we did everything. So it's like you are with the child and not against them of telling them what to do or against the problem. You are with the child together against the problem. So then you are not the policeman. Yes, you are not the policeman. You are saying, yes, it's time to go. Do you want to check if, if everything is okay? And then you trust them and you leave the house. Yeah. Okay. And so I guess, you know, similarly, when it comes to kind of getting dressed into their uniform, letting them say, you sure you want to go to school like that? And I suppose, again, if they do, then you say, fine, then you get cold Mm -hmm. if you haven't got your coat or you will get in trouble if you haven't got the right uniform on. But let them, you know, let let, let them learn that rather than you be the sort of baddie in the equation. Yes, yes. And also we are different. Um, so my, it's a, it, we have a saying in the family, if mommy is cold, everyone needs to have coats. But my girls reminds me that they are English and I'm not. So I have maybe a different uh, sensitivity to the cold and they are different. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess there's a tendency as parents to overparent your children because they need a lot of parenting and a lot of looking after when they're little yes. because then, you know, you can't expect a one-year-old to remember their coat. And it's quite difficult when you've established that relationship not to sort of let yes. them become independent. It's something that I see my children are now nine, t- nine and ten. And I still am in the situation where, you know, what did they say? Oh, I, I would like a cup of tea. And obviously when they were little, they couldn't operate the kettle. But now actually they probably can. And it's a really important thing for them to, to learn. I mean, not yes. that I want them to burn themselves, but actually at that age, they're, they're probably fine. And so I suppose it's, it's also sort of revisiting that idea, constantly challenging them and saying, well, maybe you are older enough for this now yes and they are definitely old enough for many things that we don't think about if we think about different generations or different cultures very religious uh, jewish families when they have many children they are raising each other so from very early age they have lots of responsibility on their shoulders and they are doing well and they have a sense of resilience and capability and competence 
Um, so definitely I encourage parents to give more and more responsibilities for children. And all children also it taps into the sense of being belong uh, to the family. Because if the parents really need my help, I'm helpful. I can contribute. And this is really adds to the sense of being belonging valued. Yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, that, and also presumably then sort of praising that saying, gosh, that's so helpful. I'm so glad that I can rely on you to be able to remember these things or do these things or bring yes. me a cup of tea. Yes, or I feel loved or I feel cared for. And so they, they, they know they can contribute. They know that they are part of something that is bigger to them. And I say, put more responsibilities on your children's uh, shoulders and they will be more centered and more with more resilience. Yeah. And I mean, one of the questions I know keep on coming back to it, but I think it's something that parents mm -hmm. often struggle with is the idea of creating a sort of joyful atmosphere in the household, you know, yes. especially this year, there have been serious challenges. We're all spending a lot more time together. We don't necessarily have the time to rejoice in every minute we are together. But how do you create a joyful household? And is it that every moment has to be joyful? Or is it that there are mm -hmm. more moments in the day that kind of, is it that those joyful moments override the more stress, the inevitable stresses of the day? Yeah, I think I look at this as a bank account. We pay in and pay in and pay in and sometimes we take out. And so we want most of it to be good atmosphere at home. And sometimes it's not and that's okay. The container is full enough um, to hold the challenging situations. So it's, it's, it won't be always joyful and that's okay. But when I'm doing um, in parenting groups, when I ask parents and mothers, what do you remember positive moments from childhood, positive moments of connection, of love? What are the memories that you want to bring back to life? And it's always the in-between moments. It's not the big birthday or big trips or big computer or whatever it is. It's always the small ones. I sit with my mom and we ate the sandwich when we watched the movie. Or I remember as mom or dad stroked my hair before I went to sleep. Or I remember we are holding hands and we run in the models. So, puddles or whatever it is it's always the small moments mm -hmm. and I remind this to parents especially because there is so much anxiety before Christmas before birthday parties it's all great but at the end of the day it's not much not much change in the generations and this is what we will remember the small habits at home of uh, having breakfast or dinner together or the small moments of connections, what we call the being with and not what we are doing. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
I always feel it's nice to kind of bookend the day with positivity, even if what has happened yes. in the middle isn't always exactly how I want to behave. And I've always like first thing in the morning, I give my children a big huggle, hug, huggle, yes. a hug and a cuddle <laughs> <laughs> and tell them how important they are to me and kiss them, kiss them, kiss them. And then the other, you know, right last thing at night, however frustrated I am, that sort of I love you so much. What a lovely day. And yes. presumably that consistency also pays a part. You know, you remember things that happen regularly. And if you can sort of reinforce the kind of good parts by being really consistent with those and then hopefully the, the less good parts are more inconsistent they'll remember the consistency yeah it's brilliant example what you said and it's beautiful that you do that i, I don't see a uh, challenging experiences as something horrible that i don't want them to remember i do want them to remember because i want them to remember that they overcome it i want them to remember that they have lots of resources to overcome things and they uh, they develop maybe some of their characters from those experiences. They learn something. They can trust more of their instincts. So I don't see as challenging um, situation or event as something that we need to be fearful about. It's okay. It's part of life and it will happen. So we welcome it. We do something about it. We learn. We reconnect and we move on. That's a really reassuring thing to hear. I know a lot of our listeners will, will really love to hear that. And it, of course, it makes sense too. We're so often much more fearful of the unknown, whereas if we know mm -hmm. we can overcome challenges because we've done so before, whether that's mummy getting angry or having forgotten to do your homework, that is, you know, reduces the fear in life, which I think is increasingly a big problem. Yes, and also I think there is a, a lot of importance that I will put on the repair process. So if, uh, you know, I was very angry about something and then my child will tell me the next day, you know, I experienced you this in this way. And I have a moment to reflect and I tell her, so say more about that. So I assume you were sad or assume you were scared or this is not nice. So we can repair, we can talk about it and we can become closer. Uh, so I think this is a good lesson for children when there is a challenge, you move towards relationship rather than away from the relationship. And this is the basic for good mental health. And uh, I, I know being... a lot of adults who are no good at that. You know, you have some yeah. kind of conflict and they just would rather not talk about it than actually yes. revisit it and become stronger as a result of it. So if we can teach our children how to repair those relationships, that's... Exactly. Not to be intimidated. Even if you did, I did something that I know that upset one of my children or they felt something and they raised it the next day or two days later... So we revisit it and we give them a great modeling of, you know, we can talk about this. We move towards relationship when we feel struggle or pain. Mm -hmm. In your book, Small Steps to Great Parenting, which I've absolutely loved, you talk about the importance of a child's sense of belonging to their family. I think yes. there's a presumption that because we are called a family, because we often share a house and sometimes the same surname, that that's sort of enough in terms of belonging. Or is it? Uh, what 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 do children need to feel or experience or hear or see in order to know that they belong to a family or their family? Yes, sharing a, a surname it's one thing, but it's not enough. In uh, in some psychology um, theories or approaches, we believe that some of the children's behaviors are rooted in the sense that they don't feel belong. And it's not because the parents did something awfully wrong, but it's maybe because there is a new baby at home that takes the attention or there is a child with special needs or there is a parents who are taking care of their parents or whatever is the reasons that the child feels forgotten. 
Um, and when they feel forgotten, we start to bring our defensive mechanisms. Some will start to create tantrums, others will become pleasers, um, be good boy or bad boy, or, you know, I don't like those terms, but this is how people will sometimes describe uh, children. Um, so I think the sense of belonging, it's, it's really, really important in the family. When we have a sense of belonging, we feel that we are part of a unit, of something that is bigger than us, uh, and we feel important. I think some of the things that we talked before about contributing to the family, uh, it's part of it. If I'm valued and I can contribute, it's it's important part. I think having a little bit time separately with each child can contribute to that so you can learn a little bit more about them. You can create bridges, especially with the child that challenged you the most this week. Yeah. So this week or this year. So having more time with them to learn about them, to have a common experiences with them so they will feel that sense of uh, belonging. Uh, doing things as a family are important, even for the teenagers that sometimes can make a face or a fuss. To insist that some things we do as a family, it can start even with lunch together or dinner time together. Um, but it's also in the moments of conflict or after moments of conflict to reassure them, you know, even if I'm really angry or even if you did something that you know that you should, shouldn't, you still worth your love. You still belong to this family. No one will ever take uh, your place here. Um, I also have a blog on my website uh, for how to support children when there is a new baby at home because this is the start of a sense of I'm feeling lost or forgotten. Mm. I often think, you know, reflecting on what our job is as parents and what's the most mm -hmm. important message to give to our children, it, that, you know, having children and having a parent is really the only time in your life where someone will love you unconditionally. You know, even with a spouse in, in, in a future relationship. Yes you kind of have to behave quite well. <laughs> like you can't be awful and then expect to consistently be forgiven, but your parents will generally always love you. And is that, is that an important message to give or does that <laughs> encourage behaviour that is extremely challenging because they know that you will always love them? I think it's both. It's not all. I think that we can have a sense of love, but also from that generosity and that sense of love, we also expect things from people in the in the family members. We are as a unit and we are comp uh, contributing together to this unit. So I don't think it's one or the other. I cannot expect a child just to, you know, especially when the teenagers that just to... Uh, disregards or sometimes bully or I work with the uh, teenagers who are violent towards the parents and then say the parents still loves you and always here for you. Yes, they love you and always here for you. Um, but the behavior needs to change. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. not about them as the personality, but it's about the behavior that some behaviors in our family are not accepted. Yeah. And actually, when I say we and in our family, this is tapping on the belonging. You are part of our family. And in our family, if we are very, very angry, we will say, I'm very angry. I yell, I'm very angry. I will maybe say, I, I'm very angry. I almost want to hit you, but I will not hit you. In our family, we will not hit each other. Mm -hmm. Just for an example of belonging and a sense of love together, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm. I mean, you've talked about how you don't, 
I like the idea of punishment in order to you know, encourage good behavior. Um, no, it doesn't work. Punishment doesn't work. Yeah. And so what does work? Is it praise? No, praises can be a tricky one. What works the best? It's actually natural consequences. Okay, so um, praise, it's different. I can speak about praise if you want. It's a little bit different uh, than natural consequences. Uh, people think, parents think that if they will praise their child all the time, you're so smart, uh, you're doing so well, you are amazing. They will contribute to their resilience and confidence. Actually, they are sometimes doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. If you will tell child something about their personality, there is two um, parts to praise. What the child hears and what they tell themselves. And when you tell child, you're smart, you're smart, you're smart, you're smart, they hear smart. What they, they tell themselves is, oh, mom doesn't know that I didn't answer the questions today. Mom doesn't know that half of the class is above me. Mom doesn't know. So it's actually put more light on the disadvantages. So with praise, it's a different way that we can say that really will affect uh, the child. If you want, I can give a yeah, couple of how examples. Do, how, do we, how do we do that? Yes, I would say what you are not doing. You are not a uh, comments. You're not giving comments about personality trait or about achievements. Okay. What so, you do? So, so, yes, so you if the, your child is sort of in school and they're you know coming up to exams and you want them to feel confident, what would you not say? You, so even if they came with one hundred percent, you are not saying about the one hundred percent. What you are saying it's about the effort. Mm-hmm. Okay, or about the persistence or about the patience, whatever it is that you want. If it's a child that um, cannot play more than uh, one minute with themselves and they played one and a half minutes. So you will say something about encouraging that uh, patience with staying with something. Yeah, rather than saying it was one and a half minutes or you got 85% Yes, yes, yes. Or you will say it was challenging and I noticed that you still stayed with that a little bit longer. Um, this is a one way to praise. The other way is to say what it's creating you. So if you see a drawing or if your daughter cooked something for you, rather than say, this is amazing, this is amazing, this is amazing. When you say about drawing, this is amazing, usually the child will stop drawing and will do to, will move to do something else. If you will say how you feel or what's going on for you or what you see, this will create something different. So it will mean, I see a purple elephant. In a, in a green tree, in a yellow sun, it mix, makes me feel like summer. It warms my heart. Rather than say it's amazing, amazing. So you are making it very specific mm-hmm. about what you see. Or, um, you know, if they make you a card or again, a tea. So you say, oh, it's so lovely. I feel so careful, cared for. And then what's going on for their, in their head it's I can be, um, you know, worthy or I can contribute or I can make people feel love or something positive. With uh, being smart, I gave example, the example what not to say. Don't say you are smart, smart. But you can say this is an interesting thought. How did you talk about that? And then the child hear that and in his head he answered to himself because I'm smart. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's very much about the specific event rather than about personality. You are always drawing amazing. You are so smart. It's very specific. And then it's the child translated to themselves to a positive experiences about themselves. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so tell me why punishment doesn't work. Yes, I ask people when they were children, when they were punished, if it's in classroom to stand with the f- back to the class, what was the, what they thought about? Yes, because the idea is you will be punished and you will think about what you did and you will bring better behaviors and values next time. Now, 100% of the people that I ask say that they thought how much they hated the teacher or the parents, if it was the parents, and how next time they are going to do it in a way that the parents or the teacher won't figure it out. So they just become (laughs) more sophisticated in doing what they want. So there is no value in the education piece that we want to teach children when we punish them. Yeah, and Uh, so when you do have then bad behavior that you want to stop, how do you deal with that? How do you prevent that from happening again without, well without punishment. Yeah, so I'm working towards uh, natural consequences. If you want maybe to give me an example, I will play with that. Okay, so if you've got a child who is constantly, you know, hitting his brother, Mm -hmm. or let's make it a girl because I hate the way that boys are always portrayed as being the really physical one. So a little girl is constantly hitting and annoying and her sister and it's just this the whole time. So how do you stop that happening? Okay, when you say sibling, something around sibling relationship, I have so many things to say because it's not only that moment there is something that it's bigger than that about the sense of belonging. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's actually what you do before and after. But I will, just for the sake of the example, I will say, with hitting, I will move her from the situation. Mm-hmm. I will hold her and move her, depending on the age, of course, but I assume this is toddlers. I will move her to the from the situation. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to start, you know lectures and the idea is that if her sister is playing with something um, nice and she wants it it's not now she's going to get it she's not going to receive it but she's not going to be punished i think with sibling relationship it's slightly different Uh, i will use many other maybe techniques about that yeah but for the first thing it's to remove them from the situation not as a punishment so some Parents um, use time out in the room. For some kids, it's really raised their anxiety level. So it's really not on the best interest. Um, So there are many other ways uh, to do it. Yeah. And what would those ways be? I mean, so you'd remove them from the situation. And when would you talk? Would you talk to them? About yeah, I will give it. Yes, I will give it. I will, I will uh, verbalize if it's toddlers that they don't know how to do it. I will verbalize it. You really want that toy now. Mm. You really want and you feel so much that you want. You want to grab it from your sister. But in our house, we are not going to grab or you're, we are not going to hit each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and then you can bring them together and bridge that more as a co-chair. Um, if you will punish her, she will hate her sister more. It's not your best interest. Mm-hmm. And when there is something about uh, between siblings, I tell the parents, you are not the judge. You are a couple therapist. You are taking care of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Not about saying you are, you are the one to punish. You bring them together, validate each point of view as a good couple therapist and help them find a way to bridge that. And it will look differently in different ages. <laughs> I love I love that sentiment actually being a couple therapist to your yes. to your children. It's <laughs> a so very yes, good way of looking at it. You know I I uh, record families. I go homes and I film them and I show them. Sometimes they see that the older child slap the younger one uh, in the d- dinner table, and then I show them in the clip that the younger one just a moment before 
drag them with a pencil under the chair. So you never know with siblings. Don't go into that trap of who started and who is right. We want to take care of the relationship. Yeah, that makes sense. One of the things I'm most anxious to teach my children is good yes. judgment. I've seen yes. too many, you know, times, you know, friends of mine, you know, contemporaries of mine, adults, make terrible decisions, whether it's about jobs or money or friends or relationships. And it's sort of, when I sort of reflect on, on what a, a parent teaches their children, that good judgment is so important. Is that something that we can teach our children? And if so, how do we do it? Yes, definitely. I think also the natural consequences are a tap into that as well. And good judgment, it's also part of it. Because if a child, for example, cries and cries and cries and get what they want by doing that, they learn to trust that judgment of crying and crying or begging or whatever it is will give me what I want. And if we teach a child, no, I, I want to understand you. I want to hear you. But I hear a clear and in slow voice or whatever it is, we teach them what maybe will bring them a better a way of being related or connected with each other. I think from young age, if we are very overprotective, children start to question their instincts and start to question how they feel about things. And it can be by, be careful, be careful, you will fall, be careful from the chair, be careful from the table, don't climb so high, be careful, you will fall. We bring more, a lot of fear, but also we take over. And it starts from early on. If a child looks at us and he's not sure, or she's not sure if she wants to climb on something, or she climbs and she's stuck in the middle, and we run over and we fix it, or we run over and we say, wow, you did so well, you get so far. So how do you think you are going to figure out the last piece? Really by encouraging them to trust their instincts. And rather than saying, be careful, the table, be careful, just to say, if we see that, you know, obviously, if it's an open oven, I will jump and, say, and stop it or we'll say, be careful. Or if a child is going to run into the road, of course, but all the rest of the things, if when it's not such a major danger, I can say, you know, uh, Ben, uh, uh, have you noticed the chair or have you noticed the corner? And that's it. So they notice and they have a judgment if they want still to jump on it or not or whatever. And still, if they do something and, I don't know, jump from the third step and they fall, we can still give them, a, when we speak about praise, actually it's more an encouragement when they fail. So if they wanted to jump from somewhere and they fell not on the best way, you can say, wow, this is a lot of courage to try to jump from so high. So we put the light on their courage again and on their abilities and their effort and to trust themselves. Also, with many situations, it's open up, opening up uh, questions that are not yes or no. Okay, so it's, if it's about the feelings so how do you think about that, how you feel about that. When children asking questions not to be hurry and giving an answer. Mm-hmm. Yes, when the child have a question, they have an answer. Mm -hmm. So just to say, what do you think about that? Really let them start to trust their instincts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And because I, I suppose then that, you know, you've obviously talked about small children, but similarly, yes. when they get a little bit older and they're teenagers, presumably too that sort of making mistakes, whether it's, you know, seeing a friendship develop and you think, I'm not sure this girl's going to be a great friend for you. Or even when it comes to romantic relationships or holidays that you think it's going to be a disaster. We're so we're so ready to jump in and go, no, 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 I don't think you should do that. But presumably you're saying, you know, we should let our children continue to make that mistakes, even when the consequences are a bit more than, you know, you've got a bruise on your knee because that sort of learning early on will give them the ability to, to judge when things, life gets more serious. Yes, I think with teenagers, the more you will tell them to move away from someone, the closer that they would like to get from that relationship. And for us as parents, I think the children that their friendships tells us something about them. There is something that they find attractive or that fulfills some of their own. You know, the very good girl will fall in love with someone who is rebellion. You know, it, it's a mirror of something in themselves that maybe they need to grow. Or it says something about them, not only about the friend. Mm-hmm. And the more we make it safe for them... They, it's more likely that they will come back to us with their tears. So if you will tell them, you know, this boy, you will cry because of him, he will leave you, do, do, do. whenever it will happen, they won't come to us. They will come to their friends because they will know, they will say, you know, I told you so, or all those kinds of sentences that I advise you not to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to be a safe harbor for them to show up and to say, mom, it was awful or I'm feeling pain, or this and this happened. Because if we are too much moving them to that place when they will experience that, we are losing them, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, and I can relate to me because obviously as adults, we're not then immune to making mistakes. And if I sort of have to go back to someone with my tail between my legs, I'm never going to go back to the person who I know is going to say, I told you so. It will be someone who, who probably agreed that I should go and do that silly thing that I then regretted doing. Yes, but you can always model them self-reflection. Yes, I wonder of, you know, a language that it's open, a language with compassion. And if you are worried about your child, so definitely reach out for professional help if any one of the listeners, because there are many ways to support. Because sometimes there are relationships that are very tricky and you want to protect your child from. Yeah. I'd love to finish up by just asking you, this doesn't sort of mean to be negative, but what what you feel the biggest mistakes we make as parents? And obviously the resource, you know, well-intentioned mistakes, but if we split it into three categories, let's talk about like what, what we, what the biggest mistake we make with babies are with children, let's say sort of eight, nine, 10, and then with the sort of teenagers. So what do you think when it comes to babies, what, what, what did you, do you wish people didn't, wouldn't do as much? With babies, I will say actually what I would like them to do more of is to trust themselves and just to to be to do whatever they need to be grounded and relaxed yes and to support each other as a couple. This is a big transition, and many many argument and tensions start to build up between couples mm-hmm. so I think that will be that will be it, and not sometimes as if it's the first child. We are overprotective and just, you know, just to relax and just to let others step in and help and support. 
I think you're so right. I, I teach antenatal classes and I think I see yes. people always feel they need to ask the expert and yes. just not trust their own instinct. And, and I always say to them, the fact that you care about your baby more than anything means that you'll probably, and you also know your baby better than anyone. And there isn't yes. a one size fits all. And so if you yes. feel that you're doing the right thing because, because you want to do the right thing, it probably is the right thing. Yes, it's it's not bad to hear uh, expert. It's not bad to hear advice, but trust you know your baby the best. Mm. Um, so the anxiety level builds up to be a negative on the relationships and on the baby. So as much as possible to work on the calmness, there is no danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, that's great advice. What about when it comes to children? With children, I think uh, there are uh, several traps that we are. Um, vulnerable <laughs> about um, and all of them from the best intentions yes the yeah. one that we want them to be happy another one that we want to be their friends children don't want friends that are 30 years older than them there is some fear <laughs> there is some fear around healthy boundaries there is some fear around if I will say no it will traumatize my child or how a lack of maybe the skills how I can be connected but still being the leader in the family. Mm-hmm. So I think this is... Um, I think many modern parents see the so-called success of a child or how the child is perceived as their success, as a mirror of their success. So the child needs to be perfect, to behave perfect, to be in the best schools, to bring the best grade. Um, so this is another vulnerability for us. They are not our reflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it would be to so let... boring if they were. Otherwise, we might as well be yes. AI sort of reproducing. We're much more nuanced and and interesting than that. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, with teenager, I think that we are hooked to some power struggles, which we need to be wiser about and to work on the relationship in a different way with teenagers. And also we start to have lots of stories that are rooted in fear, Oh, this is what happened now. This is how, which person she will become to be. There are lots of stories that we tell ourselves that bring some fear. And, and with teenager, I think that um, teenagers are don't have enough trust in the adults right now. And they, whenever they have challenges, they turn to each other rather than to the adults. And or the internet, tend, presumably, too. Or the internet, which is even worse. And when we hear something that was r- happening wrong for them, we we freak out because of fear, because we know all the risk on the internet. And I work with many, many interesting cases about what's going on in the internet. So it's very scary. And then we show up with the fear rather than really taking care of the relationship and to build that trust again. So when there is a challenge, we are... A the the place that the children that the teenagers wants they can gain something from connecting with us mm. i remember going to a talk with an internet safety expert and he said mm-hmm. the most important piece of advice i can give you is if and it's probably more like when you see your child looking at something inappropriate on the on the internet walk out of the room take three deep breaths and go in calm because if you go in and you say what on earth are you looking at this is terrible (laughs) the child is going to freeze and you know it's actually much more important to understand how they got to that page why were they looking at it because in most situations they weren't searching for it it just came up yes but also to provide an environment in which they can come to you and go 
I'm, I'm, I saw this thing and it really freaked me out or it really upset me. And they can then talk about it rather than thinking yes. she's just going to kill me. She's going to get into trouble. I'm going to get into trouble yes. because she thinks I'm doing something wrong. Yes. Or my child sometimes come home and ask me about, you know, words in English that are very rude or, and she said, Oh, I heard someone in, she's a teenager said that word. And what does it mean? And then I, I'm not freaking out. I just explain her. This is a very rude or a way to say something or. Um, it's just open conversations. But I think that the most important thing from every communication and interventions that we have with our children to think what they take from it, what they learn about themselves, what they learn about um, their contribution or about their resilience, what they learn about how to manage feelings, what they learn about me and our relationship. And, and, I think this is a good summary for the example that you said about if a child watched something on online. Yeah, yeah, you're so. right. Thinking about it is an investment of in the future. You know, what's that interaction going to result in in 20 years time? Because what we're doing is we're building children. We're not producing them. Yes, yes, yes. And we're building trust and resilience and wishing them the best. <laughs> oh, Kalanit, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I think you've had some some brilliant points and I can't recommend highly enough your your book which is so readable. It's it is little snippets. It's not a great big tome, yes. but it is short ideas that little 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 steps as it says that will make a big difference. So it's called Small Steps to Great Parenting. It's available on Amazon I see and um, mm-hmm. also through your website. Um, so yes. Kalanit's website is Kalanit Benari com. If you just Google her, you'll find it. And you're also on Instagram at Dr. Kalanit. Um, so I will tag you in uh, the post that goes out about this episode. But thank you for your time today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you. And thank you all for downloading this episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review us wherever you found this episode. You can also follow me. I'm on Instagram at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Kalanit and me, thanks for listening and goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.